after 35 weeks, about to tell you something you don't want to hear. Take out your book. See, you never know when the teacher's going to call on you to pull that book out and you don't have it. And you're going to be in bad shape. I actually got two up front if you need one. We don't need it. You're not going to need it for too much. Anybody want one? Kelly got the Bible out. That's, that's, not, that's actually not the book I'm talking about right there, Kelly. But, uh, but that'll work there. We'll get to that here in a second as well. I don't know what's happened. I think I know what has happened. Uh, I, will play, I will take all the blame uh, on this uh, for what we did. But anyway, tonight we're going to talk about the 35th book of the Bible which is the book of Habakkuk, H-A-B-A-K-K-U-K. I can't promise you, but it may very well be the most K's in one name in the Bible. I don't know that that's been studied. I'll have to just, uh, we'll just assume that's correct. It sounds like something that would be accurate and correct. Uh, we talked last week about some names that maybe had been used. It's probably one that there's not a whole lot of little kids running around named Habakkuk in schools and places like that today. I don't know that you'd see that name too often. But we're talking about um, all of these so-called minor prophets at the end of the Old Testament. And there's about 12 of them in total that we are looking through. And uh, this is one that is uh, that it's near the end that we're going to talk about here uh, this evening. We've got about four more after tonight, and we'll be done <coughs> with the Old Testament. I, I, I thought we might get done uh, by New Year's, but the uh, the night of the uh, the box thing, if we're packing the uh, the Christmas food boxes thing, that may cut into it, but that'll be fine anyway. Have I actually seen 35th book? In the Old Testament. And as you can see there on your book, uh, the time period is the 1600 or 16, the 600s BC. So we're talking about 600 ish years before Christ. All of these have been a rough time period uh, <laughs> a, a few hundred years, one way or the other. And that's where uh, this one is uh, as well. Uh, if you look where it says famous stories included, for about the sixth week in a row, it says no stories, just prophecy. And uh, as we've talked about before, that makes it tough uh, to pick out lessons and ideas when there's not a story to build off of. But all of these people have continued to, uh, to, to prophesy uh, and to talk about things that would eventually happen. So I'm going to start with two questions for you to begin with. Two questions for you before we go into anything. These will relate to what, we've talked, what we'll talk about tonight, but they don't have to relate to it in how you think. First question, what is faith? Second question, what is despair? What is faith and what is despair? Now, this is not something that you can turn over to the third page and the answer's right there, bold nine. But what is faith and what is despair? Let's talk faith 
first. <coughs> what is faith? Something that you believe in but haven't seen. Okay. So if we talk about it in uh, a religious sense, in the scriptural sense, it's what it's supposed to say, it's the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. But that's a definition. What is faith? If somebody walked up to you on the street and said, hey, what is faith? How would you tell them what faith is? Something I believe in. Something I believe in. All right, that's a, that's a good starting point for what is faith. What else did they say? Well, that, okay, I, I, I believe that this is mainstream. Well, okay, so maybe go more. What else would be? Some of the feeling that you have when you believe something and you're sure enough of it that you have the faith to believe it. It may be more than just something that you think or believe, but like Connie said, there's a feeling, there's maybe an emotion that's there with that as well. This feeling of, I believe in something, I'm so sure of something, that I have this emotional attachment, as it were, to it. Would it be confident? Confident, confident would be. Confident. I mean, think about faith, and faith becomes a religious term, but we have faith in people, right? I have faith that he'll do this or he'll do that. Uh, I have faith, uh, you know, Connie, you can tell me like you'll watch basketball games. Are there players on the team that you have faith in? Yes. Are there players that you don't have a lot of faith in? Yeah. And some of those don't have faith will grow into it. But right now, you don't maybe believe them. This person will make the shot. This person eh, may. We're hoping, right? Faith is something that we have a lot of experience with in life, even beyond the religious sense. There has to be a lot of faith. How many of you have faith in your car or truck? Okay. When you lose faith... Time to get a new car, right? Anybody ever lost faith in a vehicle? Oh, yes. Yeah, mine was starting to remember. Do what? I have the keys out on my vehicle. I'd say the vehicle may have lost faith in you, too. And I don't know if that works both ways or not. All right. What then is, well, let me probably give us a good What is despair? When your vehicle doesn't start. When the vehicle doesn't start, right? When you need to go. I'm glad this is Gatlinburg. If that's bad, we've got a murder. despair be? Like if, you're, so if you're given a definition of despair. I think it's the absence of faith with it. I think so. Hopelessness. Hopelessness. Okay. So let me ask a third question. Can both faith and despair be experienced by Christians? Habakkuk will be a really good example of that. Because I think without a doubt, Habakkuk is faithful, but what Habakkuk writes about is quite despairing. And we're going to look at a little bit of that here this night. The major theme, what we really see in the book of Habakkuk is trying to go from this idea of faith but your faith is perplexed or your faith has doubt and trying to grow from that to this absolute trust in God. So there's faith, but you're struggling with it to the point where there's an absolute trust in God. If we're looking at things on a line or on a continuum, 
if we're trying to get to this absolute trust, are we always right there? Or do we sometimes suffer along the line trying to get there? We do, right? And those things on that line sort of hold us up. And so we're going to look at tonight why maybe some of this happens. Habakkuk, in this book, addresses his concerns over the fact that God will use the Babylonian Empire to execute judgment on Judah for their sins. That sentence is something that could be written about a lot of these prophets that we've talked about. There was a genuine fretfulness of these prophecies about what would eventually happen to Israel, right? We've read in all of them, they said, you know, God says this is going to happen, but there's always this thought of, you still got to carry it out. You still got to do it, right? And there's this hope that these people, these Israelites, these children of God, are going to finally do what's right. But we've seen it time and again, maybe sometimes not. So we're going to look at three or four things. It would be on the screen. It's not going to be there tonight. So I need you to turn to the book of Habakkuk in your Bible. It's right behind Nahum. Right ahead of Zephaniah. You know where it is. It's easy to find, right? Habakkuk. When I was little, it always reminded me of the word tobacco. It's been a while. It's not close. (laughs) It has a double cuh sound in it, which I guess works for. All right. So let's talk, and we'll be going, uh, the first thing is chapter one, the second thing is chapter two, and the third thing is chapter three. So we'll address all of those. First point, first thing I want us to look at tonight is this idea, it is okay to ask hard questions. Okay to ask hard questions. Think about it for a second. Do we like hard questions? My students want to know the question before the test. Because if they know the question, then they know the answer. And then if we go over the questions the day before the test, then the test is really easy, right? Oh, I know this is that answer, and this is that answer. And then if you add something to it, we can review this. That's a hard question. Why do they not like the hard question? Hard questions require hard answers. Hard answers require thinking, right? It requires some study. It requires us to sort of question things, right? Have you ever been asked a hard question? You know, we've all probably been asked that. And one of the things that we struggle with is the ability to say, I don't know the answer to that question. Because we take a hard question as an affront to us, right? You're asking me this question, and I don't know what it is. And so you're proving me to be dumb, right? No, it's a hard question. Do we ask hard questions of God? Should we? I think so. Habakkuk did. Let's go to Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Okay? In this, Habakkuk is seeing... Injustice, I guess that's the word we might want to use there. He's seeing the people, his people, treated poorly. And Habakkuk is asking, why is God not taking action on this? 
He's questioning the wisdom of God. Why doesn't God fix this? He can. Why doesn't he? All right. Habakkuk 1, 2 through 4. Uh, Leland, do you care to read it? Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. Yes. Do you read those three verses and get a sense that Habakkuk is happy with the current situation? Not at all. But now, let's, let's erase the name Habakkuk and fill in your name. Are there any questions that are in these three verses that Habakkuk writes that people today might ask the same questions? Yes. I think almost all of it, right? How long shall I cry and you not hear? Anybody ever asked that question today? I've been praying to God for this forever and it's never happened. Do people say that? Or maybe I should say my mom has been sick for years and it doesn't feel like we're getting a resolution. Why is God not fixing this, right? Or if we go any further, even cry out to you violence and you will not say bad things are happening to people and it seems like God allows that to happen. Why do you show me sin and show me trouble but not fix it? Do people ask that question today? Why is there so much sin in the world? Why are people acting the way that they're acting? Those aren't new questions. Habakkuk was asking that 600 years before Jesus was born. We ask these same questions even today. The law is powerless. Justice seems to never happen. The wicked surround the righteous. There's these good people and all these bad people surrounding. And as the last verse there says, perverse judgment proceeds. I can understand Habakkuk's question here. I've asked the same questions. If you're much older than about 20 You've probably asked those same questions as well. These are hard questions. Do we have answers for these questions? Think so? Or no? Do we have answers for these questions? I think the better understanding how God's will is the questions are able to be answered. Okay. I know that God set the world in motion. Man chose to sin. And sin caused death to come into the world. And we are reaping the consequences of sin. And we continuously reap the consequences of sin. And God will allow the world to stand up. He's through with it. And then he will call it to an end. And there will be a day of reckoning. That's the way I reconcile my life. Okay. That's why the young people sometimes die suddenly. That's why sometimes people are sick for years and years and years with no hope. Uh, that's why wars and famines and desolations happen. That's why I, I hear frustration 
in Habakkuk's writing. Do you? But I also hear frustration in that answer that Dad just gave, right? Because that's not a good answer, is it? It's, a, it's an accurate answer, but that doesn't tie it up in a neat little bow for us, right? Because what we like our answers to be is 2 plus 2 equals what? Four. I don't want to hear three. I don't want to hear five. I four. Two, two, four. Right here. We want those answers to be easy. But Habakkuk is saying these are hard questions. We get frustrated, right? Because those are answers that we know, but they're not answers that fix things. Frustration is there. Frustration is okay. Here's why. Life isn't fair. Correct? I mean, that's hard to hear, but it's true. Does life ever get to you? Life ever got to you before? Life gets to us. And so we get frustrated with that kind of stuff, right? And so then we ask questions. Do you ever feel guilty about asking questions? Why does this happen, God? Do you ever feel guilty about that? Should we? Should we feel guilty about that? I don't think so. Habakkuk's asking the same questions. I think it's only fair for us to ask questions because I would probably, if I'm struggling with something, I'm going to ask Raymond, but Raymond doesn't know the answer. And I'm going to ask Dad, and he doesn't know the answer. I'm going to ask Sheila, and she doesn't. Well, who do I ask for an answer if nobody that I come in contact with has an answer? Has to be God. We talk about praying all the time, don't we? So we ask that question. What was my opening question? Faith and despair, right? So what we have to do is we got to make sure that this despair doesn't outweigh the faith, right? Because is there ever going to be a time when there's not despair in life? So we got to have enough faith to balance that out. You know how scales work, right? You put 10 pounds on one side, what do you got to put on the other side to keep it from back, going back, unbalanced? So if I got 10 pounds of despair and 5 pounds of faith, what do I need? I got to have a little more faith. How do I get that? Through the Word. I may have to ask hard questions. And I may not get the answers that I want to get. But sometimes we grow more from the answers that we don't get than from the answers that we do. Yeah. When Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane praying and tears falling, I mean, and sweat falling out like drops of blood, he was begging God not to go to the cross. But by the time he goes back to his apostles, he said, let's go. He's yep. Go. Absolutely. So he goes from, I mean, he was struggling. Sure. No, no wonder he was. He had all the power of the universe at his disposal. But he knew he had to die. And he did not want to die. He did not want to die. Those feelings reflect humanity, right? Other thoughts? Let's go over to Habakkuk chapter 2. Raymond says, though, get into the Word. And that's yes. The Bible, so if, if you want to increase your faith, you increase your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Those are our examples, right? You know, if, if, if I 
if my kids are given a question on a test, it may be something that we've read about or that we've studied about, but we may not have looked a lot about it. That's where we need to grow. Second thing. If the first thing was it's okay to ask hard questions, the second thing is sometimes it's good to wait for an answer. How many of us want answers right now? Ever heard of Google? Would Google exist if we didn't want the answer right now? No. Google. All right. Go find that. Right? We all want the answer. I don't know how people existed back in the old days. Had to go look stuff up. Good grief, that's awful. Or call somebody. Or wait till the paper came the next day. Man, wait around forever, right? Sometimes it's okay to wait for an answer. We can grow a lot when we're waiting in the answer. All right. In chapter 1, Habakkuk asks the hard question. In chapter 2, Habakkuk is awaiting God's response to his question. Let's go to Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1. It's the first verse there within chapter 2. All right, uh, Lucille, do you care to read chapter 2, v- verse 1? All right. So Habakkuk said, I've asked the question. Now I'm going to do what? I'm going to wait for I'm going to stand my watch. Military, right? I'm going to stand there and watch. I'm going to make sure things are. I'm going to stand my watch, set myself on a rampart. I'm going to be up. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the answer. I'm not just kicked back, waiting, hoping to show up I'm looking for the answer. But it may not come right then. But I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am correct. Because what Habakkuk is saying here is he's asking hard questions of God and he's expecting God to come back with a hard answer, right? And then in that last part of verse 1, he says, but what I'm going to do is correct myself when I get this answer. Do we ever have to correct ourselves? Of course we do. Of course we do. If we ask the question, we got to wait for the answer. How many of you know people that ask the question and answer the question and you've not said a word either way? 
Lucille, man, they all pointed at you, Luce. Man, they all pointed straight straight at you. You know, sometimes we ask the question, and then as soon as we ask the question, we automatically throw out our frustration, right? Why does this happen? I'm just going to be mad until I get an answer for why this happened. Well, the question just got asked a second ago. We get all flustered. We get frustrated. We get all worked up. We're so, why won't God answer my question? You prayed about it two seconds ago. You've just come out of your closet where you went to pray. I didn't answer right now. That's not good enough. Sometimes you've got to wait a little bit. You've got to think a little bit. Study a little bit. If we can discipline ourselves, it's hard. If we can discipline ourselves to wait, we can find the answers. But it's hard, right? Because we want an answer. Maybe an easy answer. Two plus two is what? Want that right then, don't we? Maybe we want the answer that we want. That's the hard part. The answer that I want is the answer that I want. <laughs> you want that? You're exactly right, Connie. The answer, but we gotta discipline ourselves. We gotta wait on this. And here's why. When the answer comes, what do we do with it? What's the little song? Hide it under a bushel. What do you say? No, we're gonna let it shine, right? Habakkuk chapter two. Let's go forward. Just another two verses right there. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Tony, do you care to read that? Stop right there for just a second. He said, I'm going to ask this question. And he said, I'm going to wait on the rampart, waiting for this answer to come to me. So in chapter 2, verse 2, first sentence, then the Lord answered to me. Now here comes the answer. We've already admitted it may not be the answer that we want. We may be frustrated about it, but Tony, what's the answer? Write the vision and make it Hmm. That doesn't seem like a real good answer to the first question. Write it down. When it comes, it'll come. It's not going to tarry, but you're going to have to. 24 days from today's verses. Write it down. You remember what December the 1st was like when you were five years old, seven years old? Christmas was a billion days away. I don't know how it was, but at Lancaster Elementary, we had 84 days of school between Thanksgiving and Christmas every single year. We didn't have weekends. It was all the We just always was at school. Why are we still in school when it's happening? That's what we thought about all the time. We're impatient there, right? But we wanted this to happen. We wanted it to come. He says here in the response, what we see, then the Lord answered to me and said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end of it will speak and it will what? It will not. So you're, the, answer, the truth is going to come to you. It may not come right when you want it. Though it tarries, what? Man, that's hard, isn't it? 
Though it tarries, wait for it. Probably the closest thing that we can do to relate to this today is when we're waiting on results from health tests, right? Because when we go to the doctor for whatever the test, blood work, scan, whatever it might be, we want to know right then, right? And they say, we'll call you tonight. Or we'll know in three days. How hard are those days? Because we don't know what the answer is, right? We, we, all the bad answers run through our head. Yeah. Yeah. She's exactly. She's the doctor. You're not. But you're going to go home and read every possible thing that can happen with the heart. And before it's all said and done, you're all the way over here, and she's like, "None of that even makes sense." But he says, "All uh, in verse three, right there. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will what? Surely come." So the answer to these hard questions that we're going to ask, these difficult questions that pop up in our head all the time, the answers to those questions may take a while to get here. Have you ever grown from that way? Let me ask that question again. Have you ever been able to use what you've learned from that way to help other people? Dad said there at the beginning about Jane. He said, we can say we know, we don't know. We don't know. He's going through that. And we can be kind and polite and nice, but we can't really relate to what he's going through. Some of us maybe more than others, but none of us really. But do you think somewhere down the line, somebody's going to go through something that Jane might be able to help them with? Now, we've all experienced the loss of people, right? Or, or health issues or troubles at work, whatever it might be. We learn from that, right? I don't know about a lot of things, but I actually know the one thing that's bothering Annette. Maybe I can help her with that. We might be needing to take that message and run with it, right? When we're waiting on that answer from God, that answer from God might be slow to come. It may be tearing, but when it gets here, we can run with it. We can take it, spread it. Share with other people. Third one. Habakkuk, he goes on a journey here. <coughs> Chapter one, he's asking hard questions. Chapter two, he's waiting for answers. Chapter three, Habakkuk rejoices. We need to rejoice. In chapter 3, Habakkuk ultimately expresses his faith in God. Habakkuk scales were out of balance to start with. Habakkuk went through some difficulties. He had a few extra pounds on the despair side. But he challenged himself. He asked questions. But he said, I'm going to wait for God's answer. Right? Don't you be Googling, Joe. I'm going to wait for God's answer. He threw a few more pounds on the faith side. And ultimately, in chapter 3, he rejoices. He takes a little bit of the weight off the despair side and puts it on the other. Just like that. 
We need to rejoice. Go to Habakkuk chapter 3. Last three verses. Verses 17 through 19. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Connie, do you care to read those? Verse 17. It looks like Habakkuk has found his answer, right? The answer Habakkuk has found here is that sometimes there's not an answer. And sometimes the answer that comes is not the answer that I want. If we look at verse 17, what Connie read right there, the fig tree may not what? It may not blossom. May not be any fruit. On the vines. Labor of the olive might fail. The fields might yield no food. The flock may be cut off from the fold. There may not be any herds in the stalls. Tell me one thing in verse 17 that sounds good. No, no, no. 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 Verse 18. But what? I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will joy in the God of my what? I will rejoice in the joy of my salvation. We like it. But if you ask hard questions, you may not get easy answers. And life is full of hard questions. So what do we do? Three things. One, let's try to remember that God is in control. It's hard, isn't it? Habakkuk struggled with that. He said, God, you know this stuff's happening. Why aren't you fixing it? God's in control. At any point, do we see God not be good and faithful? Is there any point where we see that? Let's try to remember that. It's tough, right? Because when bad things are happening, God's not taking care of me the way I want it. We've got to remember, God will be good and faithful. And so because of that, no matter the circumstances, we got to try and go on with this, correct? But what's our options? Do we stop asking hard questions? <coughs> Just live and let it roll, don't worry about it? Life doesn't treat us that way, right? You ever know anybody who had everything go perfect the whole entirety of their life? No. Even the only person who ever lived without sin didn't have the whole thing go well for him, right? Jesus, you just said it earlier. Jesus asked the hard questions, right? Jesus 
he's in the same spot here. Why is this? So I, our thing is here, we gotta work our way through. We gotta be patient for those answers. We gotta hope and trust and build that faith that no matter what despair might come, that there's enough faith to get us through. It's okay to despair as a Christian. It's absolutely okay. But we got to grow from that. And that's where we're going to leave it tonight. Questions? Bye-bye. Thank you.